Hello, and welcome to some Derps Talk About Games. I'm your co-host, Mango. And I am your co-host, Buddy. And I am the guest star, Mark. <laughs> As frequent, per usual. Frequent guest star. <laughs> and today we're uh, going to talk about a, uh, a grab bag or a drunk drawer, if you will, of different uh, D&D topics. Um, but before we do that, buddy, why It is 100% a junk drawer. I don't know what you're I'm talking pretty sure about, it's a grab bag. Uh, yeah, oh, I I'm thought you said say, drunk drawer. I was the I'm one like, that came oh. up with this concept, so it's a junk drawer. You, 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 <laughs> just because you said we should do a bunch of little topics in one episode doesn't mean you invented the fucking concept. Yes, I did. For the <laughs> sake of this cast, I invented the concept of junk drawer. So therefore, I'm ludicrous. naming it the junk drawer. <laughs> You sound bad. Anyway, <laughs> what Any- we do on this <laughs> podcast is talk about games. Um, yeah, like like we said, we're gonna do a bit of grab bag, um, a bit of a junk drawer, uh, because you know not every topic fills out an hour and a half, and sometimes we kind of get this like group of topics that are like, hey, this is fifteen minutes. This is 30 minutes, maybe. This is like ten minutes tops. Uh, so we just want to knock a bunch of those out. Uh, yeah for you know your listening pleasure today. but before we get into that let's talk about the campaigns that happened this week oh right yeah what, what yeah uh i guess iron gods is meeting on saturday so saturday uh as an announcement yeah this is this is our big ending uh iron god we're basically just doing three boss battles in a row apparently reportedly um which seem like they might be pretty tough i guess um and then, uh, and then next week we will have a special episode of uh, some derps talk about games where you know we do kind of an Iron Gods post mortem, um, where you know we get as many of the people from the campaign as can make it on the cast, and we're gonna kind of you know I don't know break it down, talk about it, think about it. It'll be great. It'll be great. Uh, but then uh, what, what happened in Rune Lords this week? Well, uh, I'm a little biased, so I'll go ahead and let you guys. <laughs> Give me your thoughts on it, then I'll give you the behind the scenes, uh, which is actually a really good way to segue into our first topic for tonight. That is a good way, a good way to segue into the first topic. All right, yeah. <clears throat> so, um, so just just to give you guys a little bit of a uh, uh, ground floor of, of to what uh, what actually happened. So we were on a boat, and then right as the as the uh, session opened, we got attacked by a bunch of ogrekin, and uh, we we dispatched them as as adventurers are wont to do. Lost a crew member in the... Uh, how many crew members did we lose? One or two? Two. We lost two crew members in the process. Um, and then, uh, you know, we were given the option to go seek vengeance. And the Wooden Wanderer, detecting tainted wood, was all for it. And uh, everybody else also had their various sundry reasons. I, I point out the Wooden Wanderer because that was me. Um, really? Did we have any other reasons? I went because you went. Uh, Rufus Rufus was like my, my blade's thirsty. But that that's, you know... <laughs> Rufus was just being chaotic evil. Great. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think Khan was like, I want to fight. Um, as as Khan does. Fair enough. Oh boy, uh, here I go yeah. killing again. The, yeah. the, then we got uh, blessed by the creepy priestess. Um, and then uh, the creepstess. Yeah. Then we 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 found the farm. Beat up some ogrekin, and then in in one of my personal favorite moments, of course, it's my personal favorite moment because my character did it. But we snuck into the second floor of the barn by by wood shaping a staircase onto the outside and pu- and uh, pulling apart the wood on the side of the barn. Um, and then we got the drop on on some goons and we murdered them all. Um, yeah, that was actually pretty clever. Um, and uh, in one round. 
Did we really Actually, do it in one round? You did it in a surprise round and one round of combat. Oh, awesome. Only one of them survived to actually take an action and was promptly killed by attacks of opportunity for moving. <laughs> so, Oh yeah, that's true. Good job. He, he procced standstill, so then he was locked in place <laughs> and uh, couldn't, uh, couldn't leave. Yeah, and so we, uh, we burst into the back room of the barn and there's, um, there's a giant web filled with who knows what it might be. You know, it could be a spider... Or, you know, a spider. Yeah, so clearly we're going or to... Or a spider. Uh, yeah, clearly we're going to be fighting a... Uh, it's a dragon. A flesh it's, golem. It's just a dragon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Right. Um, uh, and, the, and there's some, uh, at the very least, injured, if not dead, black arrows um, at the back of the... Uh, I, yeah, that is the that is the interest. I, I I suppose that's a cliffhanger for next time, but we're going to find... Uh, I guess we're going to find a little bit more information on what's been going on with them, them Blaros... As we mm. like to call ourselves. The Black Arrows are, uh, in fact, related to Buddy's character, Kenzo, in that quite is true. substantial my, ways. That is my backstory. That so I was, some... in fact, a Blaro. I'm going to yeah. stop using that nickname. It's a shit nickname. Yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty horrible. I tried. So, behind the screen, it was basically, how can I get these guys on a boat, and how can I attack them on a boat? And then I did that. And then, I actually really like that boat uh, map. I thought that map was a great map. It was a really good map. Yeah, it was. I really like that map. I'm probably gonna reuse it in the future. It makes it literally makes lazy. me want to. It makes me want to use it for Iron Gods. Like it makes me want to put like a boat a boat section. Uh, you mean in Hell's, Hell's Rebels. Rebels? Oh, Hell's Rebels, whatever. Yeah, Rebels. Because there's a couple of yeah, there's a couple of there's a couple of periods where you, where like traveling happens or whatever. And I'm a big fan of like the caravan fight sequence. Uh, you know, where there's a caravan with a bunch of civilians on it and they kind of get, like, ambushed on the road kind of thing. Um, I think there's a lot there's a lot to love in that. But it's it's almost a little bit played out in my games because I do at least one in every campaign I've ever done in my life. So Not yeah. in Kingmaker. <laughs> no, we, we didn't do one in Kingmaker? No, because the... It was like aborted in the second trimester before it became a, a beautiful baby. Oh yeah, and you guys got that teleport thing, so it did. Uh, that was pretty. That was pretty good. Anyway, oh yeah, I yeah. forgot about that. Anyway, no, so I'm, I'm, I'm definitely a fan of those kinds of things too. Like I think my personal favorite one when when I run in a bunch of my adventures is like a caravan on like a precipice, like on like a mountain trail. And then they get ambushed, and you have to fight the enemy off while riding the the upturned caravans down the mountain. That is basically um, like stuff the most like that is, epic is a lot thing of I've fun. ever heard in my life. That is, <laughs> yeah, that's that's great. Um, <laughs> I'm totally not gonna steal that. I'm gonna steal it. So uh, behind the screen, it was actually a really interesting opportunity for me because I got to test out a lot of little minor mechanics against my players, including uh, regeneration. So how does the party deal with things that get back up after you knock them down instead of just taking them off the map? And that was kind of a good heads up for them. Uh, I used kind of a mini boss mechanic uh, in the sense of like whenever this particular ogrekin moved around and didn't get to attack something in a round, he got more and more angry. And then when he got hit, he got more and more angry, which led to some pretty devastating consequences because he only gets like one attack per round, but you want to make that have a lot of impact. So he did. And then I was also testing out another mechanic called Damage Thresholding, which actually takes its name from a D20 Modern mechanic. But in D20 Modern, 
the damage threshold mechanic is essentially when you take over a certain value of your hit points, you risk massive damage. And because in D20 Modern, it's less like, you know, high fantasy, it's, it's more or less there. If you get shot with a shotgun or a chainsaw, you die instantly. So it's got a little bit of realism. But in the uh, variant I was using, it's essentially reverse damage, uh, damage reduction, where instead of it being it takes off a certain number per hit, it just puts a hard cap on how much damage the target can take. So with damage threshold 15, if they take 16 points of damage, they only take 15. But if they get three hits that do five each, they still take 15. Or, you know, three hits that do 10 each, they still take 30. So it's more or less uh, cost insurance against some of the really big single hits that Pathfinder characters can pull off. Yeah, so uh, what did you guys think about that? Because I know I wasn't obvious I, about that for you know, various reasons. It but... It's also one of those things where I wouldn't necessarily see it because I'm a two-weapon fighting character. Um so, you know, you'd probably see it against like things you challenge. That's true. I only, I only, that you ever, can get those I only really big, that like 30 thing, plus damage and hits. I, and he was at such low HP anyway that the, the Silish opening just one shot, like one shot him in the first place. Um, though, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to think if, uh, if I can remember where it like really triggered. Yeah, what what enemies did you actually put it on, Mark? Because, uh, like, I think I actually my character... just used it for the first two, the um, crow food and a uh, plow mouth, which okay. was the two ogrekin once you actually got to the farm. And it's more or less like that was just kind of the litmus test. It might show up later in this particular set piece, but it's going to be in use quite a bit more as you get into some of the actual ogres rather than the uh, ogrekin. Okay. So. For those of you who are kind of new to Pathfinder, Ogrekin are basically the inbred descendants of ogres and humans. And in most D20 games, there's like a half-ogre, which is, you know, kind of like an orc variant almost. But in Pathfinder, the ogres are very hills-have-eyes. So Ogrekin are similarly very creepy and kind of flesh-horror-disturbing. So the idea behind the damage threshold on the Ogrekin is just they're too, like, degenerate to feel pain. And that kind of trickles its way up to the Ogres, which the party will be fighting a lot of very shortly. Spoilers, spoilers, spoilers indeed. <laughs> yeah, so... Yeah. Um, spoilers, I guess, for, for you, buddy, and for our listeners. Uh, but, uh... Yeah, um, so... The only thing I, w- I would say is that it wasn't particularly obvious, maybe, that that was, that was what was happening. Um, and just kind of like for the sake of, of player understanding, uh, maybe explaining the mechanic and like giving like a hit. Like, like the same way when something's taking DR, you'd be like, you feel like the impact of your blow was lessened or something. Something along those lines just to kind of keep players in. But otherwise, I think, I think it's a good idea. Um, and this- so... So the reason I wasn't really super transparent about that is because without knowledge of that, you can basically play it off as like, oh, this thing just has a lot of HP, when in reality they didn't. It was just the damage threshold was there kind of thing. And mostly the reason I did that was because to an av- you know, to the lay observer, it's, oh, yeah, it, this thing just has a lot of hit points rather than, you know, there's this gating mechanic. And to some players, I think that's going to be more fair to the exception that, like, oh, the bruisers have a lot of hit points rather than the bruiser just takes less damage. And so it was more like to kind of get my own kind of feel for it, and I think it was pulled off pretty well because 
it's it's designed to basically make a fight go longer. And in this case, I tried to put it on enemies without a lot of hit points just to see what it would do. Whereas uh, later, the applications are more on things with a lot of hit points. So you have to kind of be clever with how you go around attacking them sort sure. of thing. But but I think in order to be – like, like I, I understand why you didn't for, for this particular session. But but in the future, it would be something to the effect of like the RP, which is something we've kind of discussed, is more or less like these things are too – are tra- so if you put it on someone who's very skilled, it would be that they're trained to kind of suppress the pain and keep fighting anyway. Whereas, yeah, the like, RP these, that I was thinking of was because uh, you know HP is a, is an abstraction in the first place, and part of that abstraction is the ability to turn uh, you know deadly blows into glancing ones, so to speak. And this is kind of an out, uh, like an, an outgrowth of that, right? Like <clears throat> someone who's really good at turning turning blows like that. Uh, yeah, it takes more than 20, you know, or whatever, whatever their DT is for the, uh, the specific thing. My problem with DT has come down to kind of like two individual bits about its about its systematically. Um, Pathfinder as a system is built uh, kind of unilaterally in the higher numbers equals better. Right. Very few Pathfinder mechanics are built on. Uh, you know, you want as low as possible. Generally speaking, you want more of something uh, in order to be good at it or whatever. Uh, and DT is basically the opposite of that because a high DT means that you are letting more damage through and a low DT means that, uh, you know, more and more of these attacks are cutting off damage uh, from, from kind of your threshold. And so that that kind of bugs me from uh, from a systematic perspective. And, and, and the reason that... The reason that... Uh, that... Uh, is kind of incongruous is because it means it's really tough to bake DT kind of organically into the rest of the system, right? Like, it's harder for me to derive DT from other mechanics in the system because other mechanics tend towards uh, quantity, you know, like more of a thing to be better of a thing, right? But if I key this to... If I key this to somebody's con modifier, for instance... It uh, that that as they get more as they get more and more con right and more and more hit points, um, their DT gets worse and worse and worse, which is kind of the uh, which is kind of a problem. Unless you do like weird formulaic things, like have it be a negative associated with like uh, you know other numbers, and you kind of get into like awkward territory that's not intuitive. Um, I don't know. That, that's the big problem. That's, I like it. I like it from a design perspective because I do think that it does. Uh, it does add another little neat uh, lever, you know, for for a DM to pull. But I don't like it from the systematic perspective uh, for those two reasons. Yeah. Um, so so why don't we like uh, workshop it a little bit, right? Like uh, we, we we were discussing this a little bit earlier. Um, and and I an idea that I that I had had was to have it kind of mirror if if, if the listeners at home are familiar with StarCraft Two, there's a unit called the Immortals, um, which gains they have a shield that, that effectively works like DT, but when the D, when when the shield uh, runs out, it stops providing that that damage reduction benefit. Um, and so what I was thinking something along the lines that that would kind of solve the issues that Buddy has is uh, something like a, like an armor plating system. Flavor it however you want, but um, each plate of armor absorbs one full hit and then falls off. Um, maybe it regenerates at some rate or, or not, but that's that's uh, that's a more fine tuning thing. 
Um, and so a lot of little hits will knock off all the plates and you can actually start hitting the HP of the enemy. Um, whereas big attacks will, will be absorbed by the plate entirely and fall off. And because there are a lot of uh, fewer large attacks, um, they will fall off slower. Um, and I thought that might be a, a good compromise. What do you think of that, Mark? <laughs> like, I'm just an buddy. afterthought. That, you know, so, like, yeah, I buddy, think, like, as a... You get around to it, I well, guess. Well, we've discussed... We've discussed <laughs> Uh, no, I, we discussed this earlier, and I got some of your your your, your points, and I, I kind of incorporated that into my into my you know pitch here. Um, so your... I think the thing, I think the benefit with that is I think that's a great system, kind of on its own merit. But I don't like it just because, like the idea with damage threshold is that it kind of shifts the paradigm to be more rewarding for certain characters, and ultimately it doesn't stop your character. Well, this... It doesn't make your character ineffectual. And that's sort of the same thing I was going with my DR variant, where it was like, the way I do DR is basically any damage reduction that the character takes is converted to non-lethal instead of it just being ignored entirely. So, like, you, have cre you can put a lot of damage reduction on something that's like, you know, a werewolf or whatever without it feeling impossible to characters or trivial to someone with the right type of uh, penetration. And with DT, the idea is, like, I get the I did get the criticism where, like, the derivation is kind of obtuse, and it's the one thing that you want to be lower, whereas everything is great in quality. And I get that. I think that's, that's a legitimate criticism. But the thing is, with, like, an armor plating system is when it ignores, like, X attacks entirely, it kind of relegates someone in the party to being, like, okay, well, you hit less, so you're going to be the one who goes up and kind of makes those blows soak. And on a boss, that might be fine, but in, like, a broader encounter, that's less kind of rewarding, I think. And especially if it's, like, regenerating thing, like, something like a force shield where it's, like, temporary hit points or whatever, that kind of makes sense. Like, I get that. But the whole point with damage threshold is, like, it's a way to mitigate incoming damage without it negating it entirely. And I think having people pick and choose, like, who's going to, like, basically Oh, like, actually, I think that that's great because that's... not so good. Right, but that's a part of the... You know, at least on the superficial you know I mean? like, level. I choose to use my will-saving throw spells against this guy because he has good fort and reflex, right? Like, you know, you you choose, you make choices like that, and sometimes those choices happen on a party level, right? Sometimes this is a fight where the t the two-weapon fighting guy is going to... You know, you, you as a party need to set him up uh, to make as many full attacks as possible because that's the best way to get past this, you know, damage, uh, the damage threshold problem. Whereas the opposite is case with high DR fights where it's like, okay, well, you know, this, the, we need to make sure that our, <clears throat> our brawler has a charge line for his pummeling charge because, uh, that's the way that we're going to get the most efficient, you know, the, the most efficient damage on this kind of hypothetical dragon or whatever it is. Um, and that, you know, that's a, that's a big part of the Indian. And that's something that I think comes out, uh, in both of these variants, whether or not you have armor, whether or not you have DT. The thing that I like about DT, uh, in comparison to this is that it's more black and white. Um, I like that in with with DT, it's a system. A multi-hit user, a two-weapon fighting user, is one hundred percent effective, right? Uh, but a vital strike user is much much less effective, and so it consistently is targeting. You know, it's consistently letting one you know kind of player through the gate, um, and uh, you know impeding the the other character in a very kind of clear. Uh, in a very clear way, the same way that DR does this for two weapon fighting characters, to be honest, um, and and I, and I think the armor system bleeds that line a little right. bit. It makes it less. Uh, 
it, it's obviously more effective uh, for the two-weapon fighting character to break off all of these armor pieces, uh, you know, hit all of these mirror, uh, you know, mirror images, so to speak. Um, but uh, it's still as, it, you know, like, it's still as effective for... Um, it's it still blocks their 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 attacks. It still negates the two weapon fighting damage. So even though two weapon fighting is more effective, it's not as entirely effective. Kind of in the same way, if that makes sense. Uh, which I think is a legit virtue of you know DT. Sure, I think that's a uh, yeah. So basically, my entire takeaway is I think your player should be feel like they're doing something. Whereas like, if it's just a zero sum, like either you break a mirror image or you don't, that doesn't feel rewarding. And actually that might be a good topic for uh, the next little mini discussion is mirror image as a spell, just because it's so kind of relevant, at, le- at least in D20 games. But anyway, can, what do you think mango to kind of round this out? No, yeah, I think, I think that's a fair point. Um, I, I, th- I, I understand your concerns. There's some, something, I also kind of wanted to bring up on this on this topic. It's kind of just like the the root of the mechanic is that I think part of the reason why this this mechanic doesn't exist already um, in a lot of ways is because I think that um, Pathfinder as a system kind of lends itself to uh, more attacks. Like, like you have to really kind of specialize to get big one hit attacks. Like you have to take a couple of uh, uh, Feet chains, not chain, or not chain feats, but, uh, and, um, whereas if you just kind of go the standard route, you're going to get your iteratives at some point. Um, and I think it's on the whole easier to get multiple attacks. Um, and I, like, I don't think that invalidates, um, the, the, the design. I just think that that's a, a big part of why this doesn't exist already. And maybe is, is worth considering as to, as to why, um, as, as, even as even then, uh, I think are, it's still good because, you know, I like the idea of, uh, you know, encouraging. You know, I, I, I think that there's the two, the great sword fighter who specializes kind of in like those vital strike superpower shots. <clears throat> um, this is a mechanic that incentivizes him to think about full attacking. You know what I mean? And even just from that, like kind of little perspective, I think that that's kind of valuable. Uh, uh, I like the idea that, you know, it's, it's something that, that makes your wizard well, think I should use magic missile or scorching ray rather than shocking grasp, uh, because they get multiple missiles from the first one, from those first two, uh, rather than just, uh, extra, extra damage dice from the second one. Um, and I think those, you know, those interactions, those little interactions are good ones. Uh, they're, they're strategic. They're making, you know, they're strategic. They're tactical. They're making uh, the the characters and the party, uh, you know, think about encounters more than just enter room, pummeling strike until defeated. Yeah, you know what I mean? Do thing. Yeah. See, see I, I understand your point, but I actually don't think that's this true in reality. Like, your first example is the Vital Strike Greatsword Warrior. The Vital Strike Greatsword Warrior is making a full attack if he can. Vital Strike is not bene- is rarely beneficial other than piercing DR if you're able to make a full attack. And the other side of that coin is that a Vital Strike Greatsword Warrior can make a full attack, but the the dual weapon fighting uh uh you know stabby rogue can't make a Vital Strike 
when he needs to overcome DR. Um, which I think kind of like tips the belt. Like th this, this problem is more tactically solvable by somebody who's building for one big hit than DR is solvable by somebody who's right. But that's a problem uh, with uh, DR you know, more than a problem rapid with attack. GT, which I that yeah, that that seems kind of like that seems like a criticism of DR. I mean, but the, but, the, but the system. That's that's but that's those are the assumptions that the system is built around, um, and so like in it so. In a campaign where, like, we, we, we expect DT and we expect about even numbers of DR and DT, it's always better to build the Vital Strike Warrior, um, whereas in a, in a system that expects only DR, both, both uh, builds kind of work because not a lot of things uh, typically have DR and they're not, like... I mean, I literally built uh, Colbjorn the way I, I built Colbjorn... Because where we were fighting in Iron Gods, where everything has hardness, and it just means that there's a ton of you know, it, it just means that there's a ton of DR running around, um, and so in order for you know, in order for Colbjorn to be maximum effectiveness, I took pummeling style, um, <clears throat> right? But but the, that's my point, right? Like a a a one big hit character does not need to sacrifice anything. To go back, I to, think he sacrifices the uh, opportunity to, to deal cost, with DT. I think one big. First uh. of all, I think one big hit characters exist, right? Some of them, uh, like obviously, full attacks are you know, sure, like, definitely. Well, the thing about one big hit characters uh, is, I feel that they are kind of con like uh, uh, not controversially, kind of like counterintuitively more mobile uh, because in, in they they're more built around their standard actions than they are around full attack actions, and so a two weapon fighting character is try is using lots of five foot steps to stay in range to keep hitting his full attacks uh, whereas the vital strike character has more kind of uh, you know more wherewithal to move in and around uh, you know in, in, in and around a fight uh, commonly I think that this this character archetype is also combined with medium and heavy armor that restrict movement speed and this is kind of like offshooting some of that to a certain extent Um but yeah, I don't know. I uh, I I think one big characters definitely exist, and they they're suffering the opportunity cost of you know vital strike is when they you know vital strike and power attack and furious focus and all of those things um, are really good on on one big strike characters. But uh, you know in a DT setting, they might say you know what I'm going to turn off my power attack. It's not you know it's just sapping my. It's sapping my attack for no uh, for damage that's just going to get wiped by DT anyway, and I'm going to sit here and power attack rather than use you know these feats that you know what I mean. Like that's that's his tactical decision. I do agree that yeah, it sucks that a brawler can't. Yeah, you know, no, no, but, well, but, 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 but that's my point, points, right? A, ra a two weapon fighting ranger uh, can't do the same thing in order to get one big strike, but you know. <clears throat> But, but that's kind of my point, right? Like a a, a one a one big hit kind of character becomes a more generalist character in a, in a DT setting, because, um, or rather he 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 has the like like I said he has the option to to switch off, like he's never not effective. Um, he has the option to switch off switch off uh one big hit and take and take iteratives on a um on a on, on a DT or on a DT character. Which is something that, um, in kind of the design space that DR falls into, which is kind of 
limiting what a rapid attack character can yeah, do. Yeah, I definitely get that point. Ha- I'm just he, saying he that, that's, that's that a criticism option. of DR. And that's something it's, that ma- that's that's that is not that's not it's not a criticism of DR. I'm saying that DT isn't accomplishing what he wants to accomplish. Because he's being less effective. D- he's willing he, No, it's the not. opportunity cost of I am no, not using so, my oh, build optimally is the is the less effective. He's less effective in in regards to himself, not okay, in regards so, to Okay, so so here's a, here's I see what I see. I, I see what you're saying, but the the issue is it's accomplishing what you want it to accomplish, not what DR accomplishes, which is what this is supposed to be like a, a counter, um, a, a, a counterpart to, like DR. Assuming that like what DR accomplishes is it forces rapid attack characters to um, think inventively and, and do something else, whereas a DT care a DT doesn't actually do that. It just forces somebody to go back to iteratives, which is. Not the same kind of like innovation that that DR forces. I don't. I just don't think that, that that this DT system, like forces those like those decisions aren't as meaningful as the decisions that need to be made with DR. Because I don't know, Mark. Can, how do you there's feel a about this very simple answer thinking. to the question. So, I kind of, I actually kind of think that I I lean more along the side of Buddy, where I think it is a kind of an emergent gameplay thing where you have to kind of think tactically around it, whereas that option might just not exist for a DR um, situation. Because, like, with Damage Threshold, you can still choose to do your one big hit. It's just going to be less effective. Whereas, like, with DR and you're a two-weapon fighter, you know, there's not really a lot of things you can do to pull your attacks together, except, like, maybe make less. By the way, I will point out that... I think the I think the I think, I think the answer, with... by the way, in the sense for uh, DR characters is to uh, you know focus other where other places in the party. Right, you're in a party, you're in an ecosystem of other characters, and you don't personally have to be effective against every enemy type. So maybe avoiding right. you know the golem and fighting the mooks is the better use of your time, for instance. Of course, right, but th- 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 that's but, that's exactly um... my point, right? You force. A, uh, a multiple attack character to do something creative, to do some to, to make those types of decisions, whereas the decision path for a uh, one big hit fighter against a DD character, he doesn't have to make that sacrifice. He has to, he have might, to say, he "Well, might well do I'm not going to do any damage. He might do. I'll you know knock over a column. He might, but he but he but he can mitigate his cost like." Much more effectively by switching to a full attack, right? Like he can be fifty percent effective, right? But would you rather be fifty percent or one hundred percent effective by you know going and fighting the the proper enemy who you can do your one big hit on, right? That it's the same principle, right? You don't remove that ability for the for the one big hit character, right? But you don't you don't force it like the DR does, right? It's and not as much of an option. This is why I think it's a criticism of DR, uh, because I almost think that DR. You know, I think that I think that two weapon fighters should have effective means. For so, so you're saying you're so in order to in order to counter this kind of DR thing. That's what that's what that this criticism sounds like to me. So what? So that's your criticism. No, of I'm DR saying I'm saying I'm saying that, that the principle you're outlining I is think actually that's, a principle no, 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 but that, that criticizing is, DR. No, it's no, it's not. Because I think DR does its job well, and I think that's a good thing. You think it's a bad thing. It's not a criticism of criticism of DR. It's a criticism of DT because I don't think DT does the thing that I think is good, which is which is severely limit the uh, limit the options of a player I, in a certain uh, situation. I think we spent enough time uh, arguing this uh, this topic. <laughs> so.
So I think let's talk about you mirror have, image. I, I have nothing let's to say about image. I think it's a fine spell. Do you, does it does it yeah, offend you? Yeah, I really don't. Well, I think it's too I mean, strong. You know what? I'm gonna look up. I, I, I need to look up strong. the text because I uh, of a spell. I just haven't I haven't thought about it in this kind so, of context. I, I just think in the terms of, like, the way it stops damage is way too efficient, because essentially it's multiple... It's a it's a continual version of Displacement, or Blur, and it's the same level as Blur. So you can take Blur, get 20% mischance on all your hits, or at the same level you can get, like, a 70 or 80% mischance for, that, you know, decreases down to zero over time, but it, at worst, is 50%. And then if you play it raw, where if you, you know, do hit the target, you don't break an image, then it's basically just better than blur. Blur might last a little longer, per, you know, as like a minute per level instead of a round The problem I have whatever. with mirror image is but looking at it, I cannot believe it's a second level spell. I thought it was third level, which made a lot of sense in my mind. Uh, this this fills, this, you know, this and fireball feel like competitive uh, spell levels, but the fact that it's... Yeah, and haste exactly. You know and what I haste. mean. Well, but the fact that is, this is a second is also, spell level, it seems like yeah. a must take, right? Like, what else? What other second level? It's a no brainer. Yeah, it's it's a no brainer. If you have access, yeah, it's just if like you have access to arcane illusion spells, you take mirror image. In uh, in in a build, that's that's well, yeah. Even blur. even blur though, blur. Like, I mean, yeah, pretty accurately. Po- blur blur doesn't scale. Is the problem with blur? Uh, so. Uh, it it really quickly kind of falls off in terms of uselessness. I don't know, man. What do you what do you think? Um. So it it it, it scales. So but blur, the re, the way that blur scales is that it's always on. Whereas, um, kind of in the same way with DT is that as player attacks go up, mirror images fall off faster. So it needs mirror images need to increase as you increase. Um, in level in order to keep up with iterative attacks to make it about as effective. Um, I'm not, I'm not saying, you know, there's not a judgment on as to the effectiveness of mirror images being OP or not, but that that's how blur competes at that level. It's a constant 20% mischance. Whereas mirror image is a, you know, what's one D four per three caster levels. So when you take it, that's one D four. Oh, one D four plus one per three caster levels. Um, so you have a over three. So basically, I think it takes like something what four hits for blur to be like better, kind of. Like if you take five hits, you're dodging at least one. Whereas sure. with mirror image, you have a sixty. You have a sixty-six percent mischance, then a thirty-three percent, or you have a sixty-six percent mischance, then you have a fifty percent mischance, and then when you finally lose that image, you've effectively dodged at least two hits for it. That's, whereas, whereas that's, that's all yeah. front loaded though, um, like if it, it's all loaded into kind of like the first three hits you take give you a fifty like you know give you that that de- sure I mean I'm I'm just I'm just saying like on a superficial level that for blur to kind of break even it needs to last a really really long time and you need to be getting attacked a lot. Whereas, like, the one full attack that Mirror Image yeah, helps you dodge is kind that, of the only, that is the only thing it needs style, to do. You, know, you shouldn't be in melee, um, generally speaking. I don't know. That, uh, yeah, that seems strong just because uh, spell level to me. But, uh, 
don't so, know. I don't, I don't, I don't anyway, have a fixed uh, mind. I don't, really, uh, I don't play cast. enough. I don't play enough magic characters to have yeah. a good sense of the ecosystem of spells offhand. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. boy, right, um, my let's favorite. Talk about the dreadnought. Yeah. So, all buddy, through. why don't you go? So ahead and uh, the dreadnought. So here's the thing. I love. Uh, I love Cavaliers. Uh, and this is something I've, I I kind of was thinking about, you know, as we were just talking about this grab bag and the fact that we could get, I, like, I got to talk about the Dreadnought. I was just like, man, I love Cavaliers, but I hate the mount class feature because I think the mount is, uh, I just don't like mounted combat in general, to be honest. Um, I think it's super, super specific, uh, kind of in the sense of, like, you know, like, mounted combat makes sense in Giant Slayer, but I don't think it makes sense in, I don't know. Uh, you know, Iron Gods, right? Like, you know, hyper, these hyper-dungeon crawly uh, uh, APs don't seem to like mount. So I created an archetype. I actually created three archetypes, but this is the only one that, like, made it past uh, the finish line um, for uh, a class called the Dreadnought. And the Dreadnought is basically built around making your charges more... Uh, not necessarily like effective. I really did my very best to avoid um, some class features that the the Cavalier has baseline. Are you do double, triple damage on on these charges or whatever? And I really wanted to avoid that because I kind of thought a it's lazy and b I don't want the Dreadnought to just be a hardcore damage source where he's you know he's making his charge with whatever item uh you know with whatever weapon and it's going to be putting out like 60 damage in a turn i kind of wanted it to be a little bit more uh thought provoking i guess and tactical a class so he has a couple of abilities the first is brutal charge which he gets at level one that allows him to charge through difficult terrain allied squares and uh broken objects you know which are objects at less than a half hp and um if an object blocks the dreadnought's path he can still attempt the charge. He just has to break the object as part of that charge maneuver, which, uh, well, uh, I, 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 I'll explain the full class first, but I love that ability. Uh, then at level three, he gets Juggernaut, which says that the first time um, when he challenges an, abil- uh, uh, an enemy, right, with the Cavalier's challenge, um, the first charging attack made against that enemy automatically threatens a critical hit if it hits. Um, at level four, he gets the Blitz ability, which basically, uh, instead of ending a charge with just a regular basic attack, he can end that charge with any uh, attack action, gr- any standard action, attack action, uh, granted, uh, you're not by, like, class features, so he couldn't use, like, he couldn't do cheesy stuff, like, with Precise Strike from Swashbucklers or something weird like that. Um, so he could Vital Strike at the end of a charge, for instance. Uh, at 11th level, he gets Crushing Charge, which is... Uh, Mango's least favorite ability. It allows him to ping pong kind of across enemies as a special type of full attack, uh, where he charges the first enemy and then makes his you know makes his first iterative attack. If it hits, he can then immediately go charge a second enemy that he has not already charged before and make his second iterative attack as part of that um, uh, that full attack action uh, and the level twenty ability, which is ridiculous and doesn't 
you know, it's just a level 20 ability. Uh, it combines his ability to use Crushing Charge with his ability to use Blitz. So uh, instead of doing it as part of a full attack, you could just charge however many enemies and just Vital Strike each one because level 20 abilities are broken. And I so anyway that that is the that is the dreadnought class in a nutshell. Uh, what do you what do you guys think? Well, let's let's take it one ability by one ability. Let's 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 start at the top. With, I think uh, brutal with, charge with, with brutal is really charge. good. I like it. I think it's exactly what the class kind of needs. I don't think there's anything and I like more about this I think class. It's cool. I like this class a lot. This is one of those classes I designed like for me to a certain extent. Um, like I would play the fuck out of a dreadnought in a in a heartbeat. Um, the uh, I th- I love the uh, if an object blocks your path, you can just bust through it like the ju- you know what I mean. Like it is that is that is the the core fantasy uh, kind of almost flavor that I you know like you're sitting across a table from somebody right and you just you're like fuck this is so you charge through the table and like rend the table in a half. That just feels great. That feels so cool to me. Um, Plus the ability to charge through walls and stuff. And I think I kind of agree with that. I would actually, honestly, I'd probably go as far as saying you can add your cavalier level to the, like, to the charge, like, yeah, I, adapts. I, I, I'd say that, that it should scale. Like, it's a lot at level one. And not that I think it's bad. I think that, I think it's, it's, it's pretty good. I think that you could add some scaling to it in the kind of, like, you could charge through a number of, of, uh, of squares that are difficult terrain or... A number of squares that are that are occupied by allies equal to your cavalier level, or something like that. Um, the kind of just, uh, like you know, a level one character charging to a line of, of of allies is kind of, uh, seems seems a little bit off for a level one character. Um, but I, I definitely think that you should add some something to the class at some point. Um, that increases his ability to break through things. Um, to, to, to make those checks easier because it, it's those break DCs are not. I definitely, um, I, I actually do agree with are you, not Mark. I think trivial. adding your Cavalier level to those break DCs is a great way to, uh, it's a great way to do it. Yeah. Really kind of flavor that. Um, I will say that kind of, I, I really don't like Juggernaut, especially because it's, this is even the toned down version. I think threatening a critical hit. The, it's not, it's, hold on, is, yeah, it's, it's, it's not whenever really you substantial, especially, well, no, it's, especially it's when you, you stack it with Blitz. It's the charge, yeah, it is. It oh, is, when you charge the target It is key to the it's one, the, char- the, yeah. the per day of challenge in order okay. to that, uh, in order to balance that back. Um I also think you know, and you know, having okay, played the, the student of the street samurai, right? Like the uh, the opportunities to charge the target of your challenge are not as uh, intuitive. Honestly, I in a, in a certain sense, I I designed this before we played too much of um, Rise of the Rune Lords, but uh, you know, it it is harder right. to do that than I than I expected. I'd if I were going to. Yeah, if I were going to change the, change it though, what I would probably do is make it so you automatically confirm your critical hits against the target of your challenge rather than threaten. Because even if it's like even if it's a per use limited kind of function, like I get it, right? Like I understand what you're trying to do with that. It's still just it superficially looks really how, how really often are you going to really threaten, strong. Uh, na- like how often are you going to naturally threaten the target of your charge? Um... In order to make that confirm worthwhile, well, it seems the, like the a thing really is, low like, percentile it's not so much that proc chance. On, like, 
Well, yeah, I, that's no, kind of I, I, that is a valid criticism. I think that it, it being that's a, a true. Third level ability. That's true. But it's it's more the fact that with Blitz, like you can do some really crazy combinations of stuff, and I don't know. It just seems like just to me, it feels kind of off. Like it might, I'd have to see some numbers on it, but I think it it's kind of suspect. Like I'm not saying it's it's wrong or it's bad. I just think that it's something the, that kind uh, of makes so my So really, GM what I'm trying to do with this ability and why I like this ability a lot is um, I like uh, giving auto threatens because it changes the crit game. I feel like the crit game in most like vanilla Pathfinder is a lot of stacking crit chance, uh, and so you know you get a keen rapier and call it a day kind of a thing. Um, and I, what I, you know, I, li- I like the idea of, you know, I like a juggernaut who specifically uses a times three great axe or times four scythe, uh, in order to maximize on his juggernaut crit damage, right? I don't think anybody takes a scythe in, in, in Pathfinder. I think a, a scythe is just baseline a bad, uh, a bad weapon to take because, you know, that times four crit is great and everything, but how often do you proc it? Not often enough. And you can't even, you know, you can't even increase that uh, kind of dependably. And so th- I, w- uh, th- this is this is what I really like. This is what I treasure about the auto-threaten. Um, also, you know, um, auto-threatens, if it hits, still means you have to hit two attack rolls in a row, uh, which isn't, you know... That happens, I think, once you get into higher levels, it, it'll get, you know, it does it's get into trivial. trivial land, okay. uh, so to speak. But um, I, I think that is, uh, that's another piece of it. Th- th- that's another piece of it that makes it okay to me as a, so, such a low-level ability because how often, you know, like, it's very easy for a level 3 Cavalier who only has one charge, who only has one challenge per day to completely whiff this just because he doesn't have the attack roll to make it work, so to speak. I mean, I, if if you're playing this class, you take, oh, I guess improved, uh, inc- improved critical with uh, what it was, not improved critical. What's the one that that lets Jeez, you confirm I easier? Tell you offhand. I know some we- weapons confirm easier, but that's kind of about it. There, there's critical a few that gives you plus four critical focus. Critical focus. Um, we could, and let's let's see what what, what level that is. Oh, okay, there's a base attack bonus requisite of plus nine for that, so I guess I guess that's not as much of a, an issue as, as I had thought. It just still feels really strong to me, with like, you know, like like uh, the order the order of the say the what is this the order of the flame, like he gets into at level eight he gets intimidates on critical hits. Um, I'm just I'm just look, trying to look for. Like kind of like analogous things because it's it just um, yeah I mean really he, it, me. this is uh, I kind of feel like there are ways to break this if Paizo published this Pathfinder Society would go nuts right because you know people out that hardcore power games out there would definitely and, figure out yeah, a way to I, like really take advantage of it I'm 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 sure um, I've actually, I mean, I, you know, I, I you've, think... you've actually brought me around over the course of this conversation where I think it's, uh, especially even with the synergy with Blitz, which was kind of my concern, was, I, th- I think it's okay. Especially, like, if it's only against the target of your challenge, so you're only getting it a couple times per day, and to, like, kind of abuse that is, it's prohibitive. So it, I, th- it's... I think it's, I think it's actually probably fine. I don't know, it, it like... 
challenges don't give that much power generally, though. Like, it, Why? like in what? Mm. Well, the the differences between compare, comparing it to Cavalier's Charge, which just makes charging in general a lot oh, better. Oh, put I that in really perspective. Kind of yeah, like because ca- is Cavalier's down. Charge Cavalier's Charge is the one that makes it. Yeah, is uh, is okay. Um, you know, the, you get an extra plus two to the attack roll. Yeah, this is this is the stuff I was trying to avoid. You know, you get the extra plus two to attack roll. You get uh, it, your charge attacks automatically deal double damage, automatically deal triple damage. That's the stuff that's actually in baseline Cavalier that I don't like about it as much, right? Um. I think uh, I think those are kind of almost lazy in their uh, in their design, and it's a it's a place where the dreadnought a, a, a raw dreadnought charging versus a raw cavalier charging. The raw cavalier probably out damages him on a you know like on a dummy right, um, just because those times threes those times uh, th- those extra uh, the boost to the attack rolls are things that are going to overshadow uh, you know. Uh, juggernaut. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I don't know. I'm I'm, I'm not I'm not convinced. I'm, I'm just going to say that I, I think that threatening a critic like force. I think there's a reason that Pathfinder shies away from from force forcing threatening critical hits, and I'm not convinced that that it, to give it to somebody at level three is 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 a is a great thing. But you know. I mean, I've kind of, like, exhausted my arguments. So um, well, then there's obviously Blitz. I, uh, I like Blitz a lot in the context of... I like I like its use with combat maneuvers, um, and I think that that's a, that's a pretty neat way. Um, I don't know. It, it almost feels necessary to a certain extent to have an ability like Blitz on this version of the... on this version of the Cavalier because, you know, he has... To, I, I feel like he has to be... Uh, a little bit trickier than just damage all the time, almost. I think, yeah, I think, I think what I would have liked to have seen Blitz um, be as kind of a functionality thing is let you do stuff with swift actions on your charge. So, like, you get your charge attack, and then as a swift action, you can follow it up with kind of one. Oh, of that's these actually kind of interesting. Like that. And that's really strong, but I wait, think. Wait, wait, what, what do you mean by that? Just in the sense of, like, if you charge a target, you can use a swift action to also trip them, or something like that. Oh, okay. Like, I don't think, you know... I don't think there's... I don't think you... I don't think you, there's any restriction on uh, using can't, trip on a charge, is there? By raw, no, by raw, a charge uh, is just a basic I, Are you sure? You can do an overrun and a bull rush, uh, I think, yeah. Or a bull rush, but, yeah. but those are those are clear exceptions. Because it's not an attack right. action, charge replaces your attack, and then pounce is its own special action. Yeah, that was something like, I okay, was very, very. I you make a full attack. I, I, I thought about it. I was like, I should just give them pounce and call it a day. But it's like, no, don't be lazy. You know, uh, which is a nice segue into no, don't do that. Uh, crushing yeah. charge. Because oh, one more thing I want to say about blitz because this is always important to me, and I'm gonna. I, the, this is a personal pet peeve of mine as a hardcore martial player in Pathfinder. I think medium and heavy armor are too punishing to move speed, and so uh, just like I, I added this, uh, yeah, I talked about this when we did the Warlord. I'm gonna bring it up here. Uh, the the Dreadnought's ability to charge, ignoring movement speed penalty from medium and heavy armor, is important to me uh, because I think those penalties are too high. As is, Do you guys have any. Thoughts, feelings. 
Well, so in the sense um, of... Um, sorry, can you repeat that? Just I so think I, I, I'm not sure I quite understand. There aren't enough ways to mitigate... The, basically, the only way to mitigate uh, the movement speed penalty is with armor training from the fighter um or you know kind of weird hap- haphazard uh things in the sense of you know like getting on my okay so i don't have to worry right about having, i see yeah and so and so, so i wanted to i wanted to, to add yeah. something to boost that yeah no i get that. i like i i like guys in full plate i think guys in I full think... plate is a good fantasy and it's something that i want to like keep you know going I think the wording on Blitz, you might want to change... I think if you change it to be, like, you replace your... Tr- like, in, in like as a full round action, you can move up to double your speed and then take an attack action at the end. You get a plus two bonus on this charge, you know, on this ability kind of thing. Then it's, like, it's not a charge, so you can still take that attack action, and then you can do kind of some stuff with a swift action or whatever. But, like, I think, I think kind of making it that it's charge but it's not is kind of a safer way of kind of um at least as far as a third party approach goes because then it doesn't run into a lot of problems with people being like oh well it's charge it's like well if it's obviously charge but not then i think it's kind of safer almost uh yeah i don't really know i don't have uh i don't have a ton of feelings on that Anyway, crushing charge. <laughs> crushing anyway, charge. So uh, crushing know. charge is interesting. I, I, I actually kind of, if there's anything I would change, I think it would be uh, the the crushing charge. Um, crushing charge to me could change to something else. I just, I like, I, I think there should be a good way for, uh, you know, the Dreadnought to... Uh, take a full attack action, like a good, interesting full attack action uh, that isn't pounce. I, I don't want to give him pounce. I think pounce is kind of lazy, and I think it's broken. Um, so uh, I don't know. I was trying to figure out. I was trying to figure out a neat way to work around that almost. Maybe I'm the only one. I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> i i think it's cool i think it's i think it, i think it's i think it's interesting because it's not pounds but it still lets you do like a full attack person and just charge a shit ton of people i think it's cool i think it's fine fair enough uh yeah i i'm, I'm a little bit wary of like the ability to kind of like turn on a dime with it um Ideally, I think like, I'm actually she... not because I like the mental image of some dude running around with like his scythe or whatever, just like that's shoulder kind of, checking yeah. kids and then changing direction. It, it, it is like, meant to be a very dumb pa- shit, like, and that's not... super cool. It, it is a pretty weeb. It is a pretty weeb ability in that way, you know. Like it's just like the uh, what is that ability like? Omni, but it's so good. It's so I've cool. Seen the image macro where like uh, kind of like no, you know, like Matthew's like... Alpha Strike. Uh, from League of Legends, you know what I mean? Like that's that's almost the fantasy that it's trying yeah. to fulfill. Which uh, you know, I will admit is a little out of place when you consider uh, the the Juggernaut as like super hulking, you know, strength focused guys in full plate. But yeah, I was gonna say I would almost almost prefer it to act like a like what's it called like a like like a ride by attack kind of deal, right? Like if you like you can draw a line on the map. And if ever anything with is within reach of that of that line, you could make an attack against Interesting. it. Interesting. Well, up th- to that your to me it doesn't proc. Attacks. 
uh, it doesn't proc well enough because those lines are really hard to draw. Uh, ah, yes, but then you encourage your juggernaut <laughs> to use. Your reach uh, well, you know the juggernaut. So the other thing, the other thing about the juggernaut is we are very swiftly going to see whether wanna, or not I this is super broken because Enoch also, can play one of those rebels. Yeah, was Enoch. I, I would I would like to make a, whip a spiked, juggernaut that a can spike just chain monkey. And... Yeah, like a monkey. Dude, I just like to charge through dudes, like to like. I, I like to charge through dudes and whip them. <laughs> no, I, I don't understand. Though, like, though with the reach weapon, it does create another cool mental image of you just like hooking onto kids and just like spinning around to go charge deep. someone else. It's like that's so cool. Um, it's so fucking cool. Cool. Yeah, I uh, I'm I'm with you. And then uh, what was the anyway? Last one? Oh, crushing blitz. Yeah, crushing blitz is really broken. I think crushing. I I even for a level two. <laughs> really That's hard. totally like, true. That is one hundred percent true. Yeah, I think true. actually, you know, because what, whatever. I'm pretty sure that when you combine it with vital strike, you just keep. Uh, you, you just keep hitting. You, you just hit the whole room. I think the, the answer to this, by the way, will be, you know, for each successive attack, you lose, you know, five on your next attack. Make it like the full attack action. So even though I'm, I'm doing Vital Strike on each one, my to hit is not, you know, pants on head retarded. <laughs> I, th- I think it's okay. Although, like, I, I wonder how, how does crushing charge interact with two open fighting? Do you get more charge attempts? If so, oh, how can I use this? <laughs> like, is it just? Is it because I think that's because technically they're not iterative attacks. Yeah, they would. They wouldn't qualify. As, if you wanted to make a two open fighting cavalier, yeah, they wouldn't have, qualify as you know, uh, iterative attacks. Unfortunately. Yeah, that's. Uh, I I I'm mean th- that's that. fine yeah. to me because I de- I definitely designed it with the one big hit in mind rather than I don't think this this is a two you know. Yeah, I like. I don't think. Two, oh man, that's interesting. Two weapon fighting. Whew, interesting. Yeah. Uh, mm. I really like the. I really like the the, um, the dreadnought. Uh, I I honestly want to debut. Uh, I you know I should go back to these. Because uh, when I was designing the dreadnought, I also kind of made two like two other classes. But like you know, a big part of my design process is a lot of the times I'll take what I want to get rid of, right? And I'll say, okay, so now all of a sudden there's a slot at level you know one, three, four, eleven, and twenty, and then I'll just brainstorm a ton of mechanics. And there are two there are two different kinds. There's the uh, the Praetor, which in my mind, which is a terrible name, by the way, which in my mind is like a hardcore duelist. It's someone whose challenge is really, really effective, um, but, you know, kind of at the exclusion of these these other stuff. So the, the strengths of the challenge are accentuated. The weaknesses are uh, also accentuated kind of thing. But that never really got off the ground because I couldn't really come up with enough mechanics to fill out the full, the, the full slot well. Um, and the challenge was just really too broken. Um, and the other one was the Sentinel, which was like a tank archetype, which was built around stuff like, uh, uh, you know, uh, I, I just, I, God, man, I made so many mechanics and they're all so cool. I should just make that its own base class at this point. You know, stuff like, uh, uh, being able to, uh, roll fortitude saves against incoming damage to reduce the damage. Um, being able to grant uh, uh, the the brace ability to adjacent allies uh, for uh, for just, just like weird stuff like that, man. I really love these classes. Um, anyway, sorry, I didn't mean to ramble on this podcast where I ramble constantly. 
<laughs> no, that's cool. No, I, I, I think a couple of things. One, I think, um, Cav, like, I think the, the Dreadnought needs, I don't know how, maybe, maybe it needs a safety valve of something. No, maybe this replaces tech tissue or something, but I think it needs, like, overrun and charge through as, like, like, as, well, as you can take those it. as bonus feats. Yeah. You can, you can the, take the those as bonus feats. The Cavalier gets a bonus feat. Ooh, like, as, just six, as part of Cavalier 12, innately. I think those things are obviously um, natural to the build, but yeah. I don't really know so that I think like, it, want to hardcore include them. Uh, just because. Yeah, and I don't it's think just they're power budget. explicitly um, necessary. You know. Yeah. So, let's, um... Yeah, yeah, we get Is it cool um, if we move on a little bit? Sure. Or one, what, do you guys well, just, just, just one last thing that I wanted to bring up. Okay. <laughs> um, because I'm right. Is um you get a melee you get a melee attack at the end of your charge, which means you can do uh, a trip, a sunder, or a disarm on the end of the charge. Um as a as a, that just, as a normal Yeah, attack. that does feel dirty. I didn't Ugh, that, realize. Feel, that feels dirty uh, though. Fair enough. But I, I guess like you can. Uh, yeah. Yes, you're wrong. Although you can um, just like, <laughs> slide tackle someone, which is great. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> I, I don't. Yeah, I don't think it's like a terrible image. I, I just wanted to bring it up because there there are things. So, as someone who reads a lot of these source books and reads a lot of forum posts about these source books, whenever somebody says something that you assume worked already, everybody goes like, "Wait, does that mean that that doesn't work then?" Um, and that, that's just the kind of confusion that I always like to... Oh, like, like the whole, the one thing with, like, reach or whatever, where it's, like, you can ready an action to attack someone or something. Yeah, like, 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 yeah, feeds, that feeds one was, the outline that's, things. That's silly. Yeah, but, but, it, but it, it causes confusion and not, not that, you know, and just for completeness's sake, I would say you should get rid, um, Dirty Trick, you might have to get rid of, uh, or I don't, I don't remember how Dirty Trick works, but, like, there's, it's, it's... Fair Never enough. mind. You get you get my point. Um, I think I think the next thing we wanted to move up uh, uh, talk about was um, was save or suck. Um, and for me, it's kind of like I want to talk about: um, is there a good way to do save or suck with players that doesn't make them feel terrible when they fail it? Um, it seems like <laughs> no. a, an interesting. No. <laughs> I don't uh, think so. Like just not at all. You don't you don't think there's any good way to do it. It, it, it seems like it's a, it's a tool in a lot of toolboxes that can't be used just because it's like, players, well, yeah, yeah. Well, like, I think, I think the simplest thing to do is, um, I, I think the simplest thing to do is just like allow repeated saves and, you know, just that feels better to me, at least like in combat, you know, it's, it's like one of those things where it's like, when does an encounter begin? When does an encounter end? When are you in or out of combat? Like, I think that's something that's really ill-defined in the Pathfinder rule set, but for the sake of, like, saves, like, I think it's different if you, like, try and hold person someone than, like, throw them over a bridge and walk away, versus, like, if you just try and hold person someone and try and kill them, or if you just try and hold person someone and just sort of let them sit there while you go do other stuff, yeah, I... you know? I think a lot of it's, like, the, uh, the other cinematic thing, yeah. license, but sure. I think if you're I'm, in a stressful situation... I, I'm mostly talking about in the context of like a, a standard com a standard combat, right? Like then I think um, a save every round is probably fine. And then like something that we were talking about like quite a while ago was the concept of like a rally action where you can go over to your buddy and kind of be like, "Yo, get see, I like together. I like the rally action yeah, more than to like shake him out." Like that's seems... I think this the, the, there's a big problem with the save every round because so, so, uh, so, so, you know a lot of these spells and stuff are balanced 
with that in mind, uh, or w- with without that in mind, right? Like a lot of like high level spells that are re- like hardcore c- crowd control, you could hypothetically just save out of you know like a pc just saves out of it uh which really kind of devalues that spell slot uh for like encounter design for the bad guys F- funnily enough no I, yeah i know I, i'm like, speaking raw like, allows to save every yeah. round but but something yeah you know but but something like uh like what was like maybe it's like stinking cloud or something something that like really right like, or but like, like even uh, i'm thinking stuff like action economy flesh to stone you know like really you know how, how does that work do you, I, I, I don't know, you know, do you, uh, uh, do you pop back into yeah. reality even though you're supposedly petrified in perpetuity? Like, that, that, those are the interactions that bug me. Um, and I don't, you know, I don't know. Uh, how do you guys feel, like, something I've always toyed with is, like, giving the players something else to do during that combat. And maybe this will be this becomes too much of a tell when like the NPCs suddenly appear, but like maybe if you anticipate that potentially happening and have like an NPC around for for the that player to control, um, or, or something like that. Do you like mean that. in the sense of like so you offer multiple targets for the PC? No, to kind in of the sense of like. On, oh no, no, I I meant more like like, Ken- like Kenzo gets like your flesh character stone gets and I take over Fang. Um, and, and while I that sucks, playing as Fang. Until Kenzo gets... Oh, okay. I mean, like, I I think that's fine if it's organic, but that kind of sucks, like, because you always have to, like, I I think that's okay, like, once in a while, it's kind of neat, but at the same time, you're basically making a character play something else they didn't build for themselves, and if they did build it for themselves, then it's kind of like, you know, how often are you screwing your players like that? Sure. Um... And I think, I, I just, I don't know. It just because the thing is, is like D and D. It's not like an MMO, and I think try and when you get together with your friends, like it can take a long time. And if you're not doing anything, that's when you you know go play WoW, and that's you know it's 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 not a great feeling. Like sure, either... but yeah, I, I think the the point of like you know maybe have like you get to control the NBC character is so that like the once in a while when this happens, right? I'm not suggesting that every combat you free somebody's character. And like, <laughs> you got to play with the toy now. Um, it is it, right. more, more like when that, like making that option, a feasible thing to happen every once in a while. Cause right now as, as it stands, if I don't have like, you know, I, I've, uh, with my rune Lords game, I am, I am famously, maybe not so famously your listeners running it completely raw and one of our characters got stunned for, like, four rounds, and I kind of let that ride, and that person was just bored the whole time, and I felt kind of bad, and I wanted to figure out, I wanted to figure out a way that I can kind of use those tools, because I think they're, I think they're good tools for, for, like, for even dramatic purposes, um, and not have it be so, be, be, be so, you know, infuriating for, for a player. Yeah, but see, part of me is just like, you know what? Tough, tough shit, player. This is, you know, like that's just part of the game, and 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 the player that tunes out because of this is being a bad player more than I'm being a bad GM, right? Obviously, uh, you know, that's really it's a really tough thing to parse because on one side you obviously do kind of want to be accompanying. I definitely understand that. Uh, I've definitely done plenty of, you know. Yeah, this this happened a lot in uh, Mark's game where uh, I frequently 
went really hard really early in a, in the tournament, um, and I would generally knock some guy out and then immediately afterwards get knocked out myself, right? And for the next hour and a half of that tournament, uh, you know, I was just kind of in the stands doing nothing. <sighs> I, I've definitely been there. I definitely feel that. But I also feel like it's wrong uh, for, you know, for a player to kind of use that as an excuse to tune out. Uh... Well, that's also partially encounter design. Like, if it's a lot of, like, single target doing stuff, that's... It's, it's like, I think it, this is more of a question of less, like, save or suck and more in the sense of engagement. And yeah, that's fair. I think I think there's a lot of, like, media difficulties. Like, we play online a lot, so there's a lot less face-to-face interaction. I think even, you know, like, I wouldn't want to do this, but you could turn on, like, the little, like, like display thing uh, to be, see people's faces, and that might kind of increase the human-to-human interaction. But see, I, don't know. I, I have I yeah. have I have this problem at, at a table uh, I don't in know. real life. Yeah. I, I mean, That's I also think uh, kind of from the opposite perspective, uh, this is why I like the rally action a lot. Um, I think from the opposite perspective, there are ways in the system to circumvent this stuff. Um, you know, you have potions, you have allies who are going to cast spells on you, uh, you know, th- that that kind of stuff. And so. To me, a rally action seems fair because it's sinking the action economy into this. And it's it, this is me as, as Kenzo saying, you know what, I could full attack this guy right now, but it's really important that I get Rufus out of his funk. And I think that that feels great. It, it fosters interaction. It, bond, you know, like, it bonds the, the party together, so it's not just five individuals all trying to be the best versions of themselves in a vacuum. Uh, I, th- th- this is what I love about the rally action, and I think that that's, that's the better version of it uh, compared to, you know, get, getting some kind of free... You know, uh, some, some other kind of free save mechanic. Yeah. Yeah. I, like, I think the rally action's a pretty... I, I, I don't know. Like, I'm kind of, like sucking my own dick here but i think it's pretty elegant and it's simple and it's not something you have to do you know like yeah. you can just say yeah fuck it whatever i don't care the, and the, thing I, the thing i kind of worry about there is is generating animosity between um between players due to like you know whoever's perceived notion that like you should have picked me up instead of doing the thing that you did um I, I mean, I guess well, at some point yeah. you have to trust See, and the, yeah, to first of all... I mean, that's yeah. kind of... That's first like, of all, that's you have to trust your players not to shitheads. And second of all, I actually think this is... This is controversial. And maybe this is also, like, a good little mini-topic. Um, there was that part in Rune Lords before we had our podcast and we're doing kind of whatever, where uh, the next plot hook was made. And I specifically had Kenzo, you know, like, almost walk away from it, right? Because, like... He was having kind of a crisis of conscience. It wasn't necessarily in oh character. Oh my god! For him. And you know, and the, you know, I think of that as being a, a, a positive thing in the sense of, yeah, I think that's allowed to happen for a character, and I think that that fosters, you know, kind of a uh, the the connection between two people, right? Kenzo and Arave are friends, right? They're not just two people adventuring. Kenzo and Rufus are two people adventuring together. Kenzo and Arave are friends. And that's a big difference to me. And I think that me- mechanics that um, accentuate that, right? 
uh, and players, you know, utilizing the mechanics that accentuate that uh, and taking the opportunity in the game to accentuate that. These are all good things uh, that should definitely be, you know, facilitated. It happened in Iron Gods too. Colbjorn and Colbjorn and Felix went and got drunk together. You know, like that was like a five second thing that happened off screen. But I, oh, yeah. know, and maybe this is just me because I'm like a theater kid at heart. But I've always remembered that, and I all, you know, like I can't get mad. You know, like Felix shot me once by accident. I don't get, you know, like hey man, whatever. I'm not gonna get bent out of shape about that, right? Uh, you were mine. Wait, control. it was by accident. Uh, so quote unquote by accident. Yeah, you, you, you oh, right. Me. Yeah, I almost uh, killed and, you, you know, like, actually. And, yeah, like, I think I that stuff is important, you. right? Uh, oh, yeah. I, this is the stuff that I love about D&D. This, this is what I think I want, you know, D&D to be. And I feel uh, you know, there's a big danger uh, in the system, kind of as is, where those bonds aren't made. And you just kind of have five people running around. You, you, there's no, why are they working together, right? That question is just kind of like politely never brought up and that sucks, you know? Sure, but I, I, I one, I don't think that that necessarily solves the save or suck problem, right? Like, just not, not to be a, a curmudgeon and, and be back on topic, but there are also legitimate reasons, you know, like, for characters to not like each other and still be working together. Right, but so I think, that's what I'm saying, Um, I think animosity is good. I I think characters not liking each other and then overcoming that to bind bind themselves, you know, stronger, right, that is inherently a good thing. And that's something that comes from, something that that comes out of animosity. So, so here's, comes from other I, I understand that, but the, so, I think that in character animosity is fine. What I'm concerned about with this is is out of character animosity, because you know somebody's like you know somebody's pissed like why didn't you pick me up? I didn't get to do anything all fight because no one could be bothered to pick me up. Yeah. And now I'm mad as a person. And again, you know at, at some point you have to trust your players. First of all, that's a legitimate shithead thing but, to do. Like God, you know, I, you know, for, for, I, I definitely I know players that we play with on a regular basis who would say that to me. Uh, but it's just you know I gotta roll my eyes. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I would never. I, mean, I would never do that. Yeah. Um. I don't know. And even if I and even if I would, you know, like, sure. Even if I did, even if I had like a lapse in judgment, or you know, where I kind of lost perspective on this thing, and and that's something that can certainly happen, especially if you phrase it wrong. You know, we were talking about this. Uh, you know. For for the listeners, Mango came down and hung out with me this weekend, so we talked a lot about stuff like this. You know, we were talking about how, uh, you know, like how parties interact in kind of like negative senses like this, right? It's a big difference when Felox accidentally shoots me because he's mind-controlled and then apologizes to me afterwards. And we've, you know, and we've shared a drink and we're friends and we, we've been on this thing. And it's another thing for like in the first adventure – uh, you know, to have your 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 paladin go into melee, and then the war priest uses burning hands, and when the paladin gets mad about it, he's like tough titty. You know what I mean? Get... Yeah, and, and you know what? That's that's even okay if that's all in character. Right. That's what I, that's what but I mean. When it's out right? of character, you know, like, it's, it's, it's a problem. I, I definitely see situations where someone could say, "Well, it's not my problem. You chose to get in melee with the fucking enemy, so I'm gonna burning hands you." Uh, you know, or whatever, like that kind of thing. Um, I don't know. It's, uh, it is tough. Yeah. Uh, just, just, just as a point, um, if 
the person that the story is about is listening to this. Yeah. I know it's a little bit more don't nuanced than that. So don't worry like, about hey, it. Man, hey, man. Um, podcast. You're being a jerk. Yeah. Hey, that was hostile. <laughs> I feel so persecuted. Um, um, but to just kind of like, like to, to, to kind of just bring it back no, to, like, to the saber suck tangent. problem. Is I've like, been here three times already. I, no, no, no. I mean, I, th- I think it's, I think, it, I think it's important because, like, a lot of it is player attitude. And I had a player say to me, you know, a combat where I'm not doing anything for five rounds is terrible game design. And he was very, very irate about it. And you know, at at some level, you know, I I, I can understand where he's coming from, but at some like at that point, then becomes my job to convince him that it's not terrible, which is I think. Um, a harder yeah, problem that, to it's, solve. This just reeks of me of people misunderstanding D and D. It's not. It's not Skyrim. It is not one sure. person. It's a team game, right? You took. I you, mean, well, I, mean, I would say you, you took a hit so that so, someone else in your party did but, it, right? I don't know. And it's up to your party to you know make up for that. It's up to your party to you know. It's it's like when it, the same thing happens when a player goes down in a fight, right? You know, it's up to your party to bring you back up, right? And most and, and and those things are there, which is why I think the rally action is pretty good. Uh, at, at actually, at speaking about speaking about players going down, um, if you guys want to talk about a fourth topic, I actually have something uh, really interesting. I, I'd like to I'm discuss. I'm curious. Hit, hit 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 me, hit me with your best shot. Yeah, go for it. So, I have a, I have a. <laughs> All right, Joan Jet, the Heartbreakers, calm down. So, <laughs> I have in my hands a copy of a 3.0 supplement called Ghostwalk. And what Ghostwalk is, is it's like a campaign option where when a player dies, they immediately respawn as a ghost. So, and instead of ghosts being like, you know, spooky negative energy things, they're, at, they're basically outsiders. And if you die as a ghost, you're fucked. But... I think that's a really interesting compromise because when you die, you basically immediately come back into the game with a bu- with a new suite of abilities. And I find that you know, interestingly, really I actually think there's like a when you're a full podcast neat. in this because I think the, we, we've talked about this before, but there's a lot to be said about resurrection. Just to address it, because you know, I don't, I don't want to cut anybody off, and I do think that this is worth the time that we're getting into it. I sure. think that is neat. And Tune what in I next want week. Is yeah, I, I think I want to design a full system around that because you've got, you've got, it's you've already got a, ghost. a full system, but yeah, well, I mean, but like you know, you you've like I mean, a, a system that also gives you options there, right? You've got your ghosts, you've got your um, what is it, spirit medium for uh, from from the oh, uh, like our favorite, um, yeah, yeah, I mean, because that works for that concept too. I'm I'm imagining being a spooky skeleton, which I think would be fucking amazing, um, being like a, a skeleton's character. Um, like just, I, I think there's like a, a Didn't whole lot. Did someone make a skeleton break? We, t- we talked about it as part of um, our other. We talked uh, about it. I, have we teased this on the cast? I think we've teased Rissaron the cast. Oh, Rissaron. Uh, so we'll, we'll do some Rissaron episodes. Uh, but yeah, we talked about a, a dedicated undead race, like the Forsaken, and I think the the place we ended at was a race of uh, of skeletons uh, rather than uh, straight up spooky uh, We did scrap the race before. Yeah, there were there were a couple of like I remember even independent of of Rizaron, 
there were um, a couple of uh, uh, there there were a couple of discussions we had about if you know around Halloween, what if you wanted to play a spooky, scary skeleton? And there's some third party stuff, and then there's some options with the race yeah. builder. That could get you Yeah, I think close. the big thing, uh, um, I'm actually a big champion of not would... the undead race, and I was a big champion of not the undead race at the time, uh, because I really hate the, uh, I really hate that that undead don't have a con score. I think that's just dumb. It's, I, it's just so dumb. Um, so, hypothetically speaking, I would want to do a more intensive, re- you know, like, I would do a more intensive redesign around uh, that concept in general, uh, in order to make a race like that happen so to speak hmm. Hmm. I don't know I like I like the ghost yeah, mechanic especially because I think I think resurrection is I think resurrection is good in the context of uh, you know like I think it's a big myth this is one of the things I like about D&D's kind of reactive storytelling right like it's a major hassle that can come up in the middle of a campaign uh, where you know the the guy dies halfway through the dungeon and now all of a sudden you have to figure out a way to get him you know to get him back in the fight so i like this idea where you turn into a ghost almost as a stopgap right you're not just carting around the dude's dead body uh and he's completely useless right he turns into a ghost he's 75 percent as effective as he would otherwise be um and eventually, you know, like after however long, you figure out some way to get to get him back into his actual body and we're good to go, uh, which is what I like a lot about it. That's why I think that's a neat system. Yeah, no, I think that I think that's I I think that like, like I said, I, I think there's a whole cast on this about like what what resurrection uh, can just to be pedantic. For, like, I said in, that. In kind of Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anyway, I said it too. We've both said. <laughs> no, I've said it, so I also said it. <laughs> yeah, I definitely think there is a full resurrection cast that I do want to go into. Uh, you know what I actually also kind of like about this ghost idea? I, I like the idea that like I get to almost you know or not get to, but like I abandon. I'm playing cavalier, but you know I'm a ghost. I'm incorporeal. I can't do anything, right? But I get a, a new set of kind of light ghost mechanics that I can go possess a bad guy. Well, I yeah. Can, no, you do. Ectoplasm. I think yeah, no, cool. I actually, think. yeah. No, it, it that is actually how it works. Like, once you die, you trade some of your, like, mortal levels, so cavalier levels for levels in ghost, and that gives you ghost powers, and then when you return to life, you lose your ghost powers and become better at That's whatever you were doing though. before. That's pretty, pretty It's called sweet. the life epiphany. Uh, though it does sound, uh, yeah. It, though, there's though, like some, though, there's like 300 it feet. Sounds a little bit there's intensive like... for kind of what I'm what I'm thinking. Um, in the sense, uh, you know, I don't want somebody to rebuild. Yeah. The ca- you know, I, I want I, I want to just say, hey, listen, apply this template, right? Uh, the the bullet points are you're incorporeal and you can't cast spells or make attack actions. Uh, but here's three or four things that you can do. Uh, you know that are. St- yeah, I, I, feel, I feel like I want to build out, like, a, a GM playbook for, like, these types of situations. Yeah. It's like, okay, so I flipped a page, you know, guy goes down in the dungeon, okay, I'll flip to this option, and, like, you know, like, oh, the resurrection spell you cast was cursed, and he's actually a skeleton. Use this, this, this stat block now. And maybe eventually you have to play return to normal, or if the player enjoys it, he can keep playing the skeleton. And, uh, you know, th- th- that kind of thing, I think, would be... 
would be a fun thing to have. But uh, I think before before we close out, I think this this last topic can be handled relatively quickly. I think it makes sense in terms of like bringing players back with different characteristics. Is something that we discussed recently in one of our chats is uh, is building a player with significant disability or building oh, a player yeah. with significant disability such as like blindness. Um, um, how do you how do you guys feel about that? Now, um, my just just kind of like laying the I... groundwork. My... Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think I was the one person who didn't chime in on this conversation, so you guys will pr- kind of place I, your I arguments first. I think that makes sense. I, I think yeah. there's stuff in, the, I think there's stuff in the system to um, a certain extent that uh, that mitigates this. But the ideal scenario is, uh, you know, some homebrew to get around it because, um, you know, we were talking about it specifically in the context of a blinded character, uh, sure. and I think that the blind status effect is really rough and the reason it's really rough is because that status effect is designed for i'm a brawler i can see naturally and i've seen naturally my whole life so when i'm blinded that's a huge thing um and that you know if i'm somebody if i'm leasing the blind monk and i've been blind since birth um or i've been blind for years um I've I've learned to compensate for it, and that compensation isn't something that's in the rules by raw right now. And so there's uh, you know there, there's a significant uh, kind of subset of homebrewing that could go into that. I actually think the best way to do it would be a campaign trait, uh, you know, like a like a like a hardcore, like like, like there's uh, in in skull and shackles there's uh, there's a peg leg. Yeah, trait exactly. That you, know, you have a peg leg, no drawbacks. drawbacks. It's like you're blind, but you know functionally, you know, like your hearing is so good that you can see or you know, uh, your your you you got sent somehow as part. You know, like th- that kind of stuff. I think is really cool and yeah. really neat. Yeah, I, I think there's some balancing around it. And, and my my point about it in the discussion was essentially that if you're gonna run it by raw, um, and you've got like a like you know the a, the fantasy of the blind monk is or the blind the blind seer actually works because there are mechanics for that. But those kinds of things. Um, by raw is something that you have to at least warn your players about and warn them what's going to happen. And um, for a new player, for a new player, I would I would um, encourage them not to do it just because in 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 my personal opinion, getting a player to play the game fairly raw their first time around and while letting them be powerful yeah, and that I, I, I agree that was kind of optimal. I don't um, think it's ineffective though. Like I think. I think the group of us um, could figure out a way. Uh, I, I mean, the, the, the other thing is, is like, it, it, it's kind of a moot oh. point anyway, because I think all of us agree that it would have to be, you know, the, whether or not you could do it by raw doesn't matter, because all of us agree that we should homebrew it, and we would take the time sure. to homebrew it, um, is really kind of where it comes down at the end of the day. Sure. Mark, did, did you have a deeper thought? Because I know you've been kind of holding back. Uh, yeah, you know, I think the thing is, is if there's, I think playing characters for the RP shouldn't incur a, like, shouldn't incur mechanical benefits or mechanical drawbacks. If you're playing a blind character, you should basically just say that they're, you know, functionally identical. If you want to actually have some mechanics to go with that, it should kind of be, you know, detrimental and advantageous in different ways like so okay if you well, like bl- net, net zero but net like... zero so if you're a blind character you know let's say it should never be something you take for mechanical purposes it's just something that if you want to rp it out with the, within the mechanics you should be able to do that like if you're a blind character you know you're not going to be playing an archer if you're playing a blind archer then you just have no actual like 
you know, there's no penalty and there's no advantage. But if you're playing a character who doesn't want to get hit by gaze attacks or, well, see, you know, I, whatever, I, you have to take a drawback with it. I think that there shouldn't be an instance where someone opts into the blind uh, for mechanical benefits. Uh, but I think that they should be mechanically unique, you know, like, um, I, I, I don't really know how to, I don't... I don't agree. I just think uh, it's yeah, easier. I, I, I feel like that's got to be a thing where, like, like let's say let's so, say there like, was a trait. Let's say there was a trait that said someone has you, know, you don't mm. suffer from the blindness condition. You know, here's a couple of things that apply to you, and you also get blind sense ten. Right? I could totally see a power gamer, uh, you know, say, "Oh, I'm go- yeah, I'm gonna take this because you know I get I get this benefit, blind sense ten, with none of the drawbacks because I'm basically, uh, you know, I'm basically." I can see just fine, and that sucks, right? Um, but I think that there's a way that you can make it with trade. You know, like there's a way that you can make it with trade offs, not necessarily net zero. Uh, though I actually, well, okay, so yes, net zero. Sorry, I miss. I'm. Uh, I don't think they should be mechanically identical, right? But I do think that there's a way to add some advantages to being blind yeah. and add some disadvantages to being blind, such that uh, you're no more or less effective than the not blind member of the party. Uh, and some of that is gonna, and some of that is gonna go and say, "You listen, yeah, it's I agree with playing that. a blind monk is fine. You know, if you want to be thousand eyes, you know, if you want to be Lee Sin, that's that's cool. You could do that. But yeah, playing a blind archer would suck. Oh my god, dude, <laughs> yeah. thousand I'm eyes was got, cool. I'm glad you got that reference. I feel like Marco Polo. Hello. I love that show. Oh. Show's great. Dude, of like of the references, uh, like yeah, but, dude. Uh, but come you know. on, so. Although I do like the idea of a blind archer, just because like, I, like, I, I like, like okay, so I like the idea of I don't know. There's something yeah. really like, so I like the what is that archer? Like that would be legit. Archer, kind of like the, yeah, uh, the Samurai Jack episode. You guys know the one I'm talking about with the three blind archers? Yeah, that would be that would be yeah, cool. the I one think, with you three know, blind archers. Yeah, run, right. Like um, in the sense of uh, you know, it wouldn't necessarily be an archer, but like you could have a ranged character like that work that uses tremor sense, right? Like that's cool. You know, if somebody wants to play Toph, uh, the 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 D and D character as a kineticist or whatever. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, that would be so neat. Oh, could you imagine a bat race who are all uh, you know, like who are all blind but see through echolocation? Blind. Now well, I, I, I want to go build a bat race. You know, that's... <laughs> well. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, can we can we have I, you know, I, in another game of mine in another game like, of mine that was a little just like horrific nautically themed there was a race of shark people called uh the, the name was terrible so don't hold this against me carnanids and uh they were they were like street sharks <laughs> i i not even like I didn't have a good name for it. or they something oh my god I've, i have i have a pretty like spotty track record with names there was an ant people in one of my games that were called the kolkari which i always thought was a great name and i've wanted to kind of use that again um who are kind of like formians but better and different um anyway um yeah i i think i think i think just to kind of um bring it home part of part of this the the key to the these kinds of um these trade-offs is that it's probably best not to like lay lay them out on the table ahead of time not to be like and if you choose to be blind you get this and don't get that it's it's you kind of wait, it's and if a player comes under to you, that's a little bit like uh, that's a little yeah. bit like my oh, ridiculously wow. controversial yeah. mole uh, campaign trait from uh, from Hell's Rebels, uh, you know, which is built around uh, you know it is uh, it's 
you you have to commit to it in order to understand what what the benefits and the drawbacks of it are. Um, and I couldn't just you know I I couldn't explain it. I couldn't explain it to you on the cast because obviously that would kind of be a uh, that would be defeating its own purpose kind of thing. But like yeah, I think that that's the way that I would hypothetically handle it. Is you know you put it in there and you say you know what you can be blind. Speak to me if you want to commit to a blind character kind of thing. Or I, I would say, like, uh, a step before that even is, like, don't even say you can be blind. Like, if a player comes to you and says, I've got this neat idea, but I'm concerned, you know. Uh, that's like, definitely I true. Just be, like, but I'm saying, you know. I, like, like, I think, I think something like the mole trait makes sense to have on the table. campaign traits, uh, or in certain campaigns, that makes if If we're in a, like, a hyper vuja campaign, I, it makes sense to me to say, you know what, I'm, I'm futzing around with these campaign traits as is, uh, I'm going to make a blind trait. Um, you know, so if somebody wants to play that kind of thing. To be honest, I've actually kind of come around to this idea that uh, I, I almost want to not have baseline campaign traits that players can choose from to a certain extent. What I, I'd, I almost ideally like to do is like, uh, you know, like meet with a player like one on one for like like a big, you know, uh, almost session of uh, of kind of like brainstorming and getting a sense for like that character and then like crafting a campaign trait for it. Uh, almost this is something that I kind of did uh, in Hell's Rebels to a certain extent, and uh, I don't know. I really like that experience, and I think that that's like good. I to I, a certain extent. I, I I think that's neat. But I, I think the other side of that coin, which maybe you're not you're not considering, is that um, for me at least, like looking at the campaign traits, kind of gives me the spark That's right. of the really character what I'm saying that I want to uh, Instead of listing out all the campaign traits and saying this is what a noble is and this is the mechanical benefit, this is what an exile is, this is the mechanical benefit. You list them out as like backgrounds, right? As kind of prompts, right? And then I come to you and I say, hey, listen, okay. I want to play the bastard noble son of whatever. And then you and I talk about it, and I assign you a campaign trait, uh, you know, based on that. So. Really, I, I, I'm sorry. I'm not attacking campaign traits in general. I'm attacking uh, the like the mechanics aspect to it. I almost don't like that players. You know, if if I want to play, uh, if I want to play a noble, but I'm a you know a martial character, right? It makes more sense for me to go one trait than the other mechanically, and that tension is bad to me. Um, That's that's fair. I I think that like I don't know. I think I I think that's fair. But I also think that like sometimes having that those options there for you kind of informs what you want to do as a player. Like maybe you wouldn't consider doing this except f but for seeing this trait that you think is neat and wanting to to do it from a mechanical perspective. Um. I I think there's obviously a balance. I I think actually the way that you handle it in Hell's Rebels is pretty good. Where like you've got some set set out, but you also said, and if yeah. you want to work, I mean, with I did end up working with uh, Jimmy specifically. Um, um, not that he really came to me like that. J Jimmy and I were just kind of talking about his. We were actually just talking about his portrait of all things, and how much I really like his portrait because it's you know like this uh, kind of like Daniel Boone mountain man, uh, which is just so great. You know, you just know exactly what was kind of there, and uh, and I was just like, hey, listen, you know, this is a thing that I didn't mention because I didn't think it was relevant. I didn't think it was, re you know, like irrelevant from a campaign, campaign trade standpoint. I didn't think uh, anybody, but it would really make sense for your character if you knew about this organization 
in in kind of the region and he you know and he ate that up uh and we we worked through it and that was so that was the this is kind of the thing that's making me think about it like that was uh, that was a cool experience um I also like a lot of I also like a lot of those traits like from the noble yeah. houses. I think all of those traits are great because uh, I like the it, it gives me it gives me a very solid RP. Uh, you know, I get to, I get I can nail that down. Oof. I know. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think we've got some stuff to discuss about this off air. Um, just because I've I've got I've got <laughs> yeah. to but over anyway, time, over we budget, are over time. You know, uh, um, well, guys, uh, thanks for thanks for having me along. I really appreciate the uh, chance to talk. I'm, I'm glad about, that you were just uh, happened D&D to be things. in Mumble at of the course, time that we were recording. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Uh, it's not like we usually play oh, yeah, Iron Gods right. at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, nothing. Yeah. Stupid, stupid accountant, accountants. God, um, accountants. I'll leave that as kind of a mystery as, as to as to why we're cursing anyway. accountants. Um, but uh, yeah. Um, so until next time, we're doing Iron Gods this Saturday for a long session to finish out the campaign. Tune we'll in. be doing, we will be doing, uh, Rune Lords yeah. on the Monday, I assume? Yeah, Monday is Rune Lords. Um, so you guys are going to um, be, uh, doing some hillbilly ogre things. The, uh, next, mu- uh, the next cast will be hopefully a retrospective on Iron Gods, um, with as many of those people as we can, as we can get together. Um, oh, and then well, the, uh, and then I'm pretty sure we'll be in, uh, it was the second week in February, J- February 9th is looking like it's going to be the, uh, the opening, uh, oh, February 10th, Wednesday, right? right? Yeah. February 10th is the opening, is the opening, uh, yeah, uh, tentatively, uh, um, yeah, we, we, we had, had we already had the opening. soft opening, uh, the grand yeah, opening. You can follow me on Twitter at that buddy Sola, uh, if. If anybody wants to do that, I tweet about the podcast sometimes. <laughs> uh, you can follow me at the one true mango. <laughs> I retweet his tweets about the podcast. You can follow me. What about what about we can follow your battle net tag? I think that's the only like social media. I guess you can friend me on Facebook. Don't do that. No, do that. It's fine. I don't know how I feel about that. That's weird. Friend no, buddy on don't. Facebook. Yeah, yeah, don't, well, don't, I don't, don't even, I don't even send him pictures. Send them all Wait, of the pictures. Wait, why don't we just, we should just, we should There is a Facebook group, but I actually Facebook need to change it. There is a Facebook group. I, I want to, we, we need oh my to God, make I'm a not even page it. that anybody can just join, uh, which I haven't done. Yes. But, you know, we'll, yes. we'll get there. <laughs> well, we'll <laughs> have links point. to that at uh, some point. Um, I have, well, I, I do put a link to the Facebook group in the description. Um, we should probably have both for Maximum Keks. Um, until next and time, uh, until next time, dear listeners. Goodbye.